this is the sport that I do. Like, you know, I've done this sport since I was 11, 10 years of age. I've dedicated and sacrificed my whole life to this sport. OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Off the ball. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome back. Gavin Cooney of The 42 is here in studio. Good evening, sir. How are you? I feel good. terribly underdressed. My apologies. Well, Arthur, Arthur told me when he booked me for this slot that you have a new policy now that mm. guests have to wear suits, you know, to <laughs> add a bit of class to the place. And I would say, feel pretty let down here. I mean, you're looking sharp. So you were at Leinster House for the day. I presume this masterpiece is mm. not a prerequisite to be a journalist in Leinster sorry masterpiece defined as your suit your look suit. okay sorry yes. yes. no yeah that's what I was told Gavin Riley told me that uh, gave me kind of a crash course on what I needed one of them was jacket and tie if you want to go into the, the press gallery in the Dáil which is just above where the Cian Corliss sits yeah. uh, you need a jacket and tie but do the male TDs wear a tie no 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 no, no. But sorry some do but most don't I mean, there was a couple of jeans wearers around there. Yeah. Now, look, I'm sitting in a suit and I'm looking on high. Am I down judging them in their jeans? Yeah, I bloody well am. That's a strange rule. Yeah. We'll go all Mick Wallace, but you lads wear a suit and tie. I know, because I had a Torino jersey on under huh. this as well. Okay, well, listen, I'm glad you've One left it on for, for them, us. Et you've left it on for us. You obviously think it looks pretty good. No, nice I, change. Well, I, you know, because I, because obviously I was going back to the office and I wanted to be too awkward to go home and change and then I just decided that, yeah, it looks good, so let's keep it on. It does look good, come on. So, look, a few things going on. There's never been a week like it in Leinster House. The uh, <laughs> backbench TDs are loving life. They've, they've never had ratings so good. Let's start today with the motion on the floor of the Dáil because there was a separate Oireachtas Committee on the Future of Sports Broadcasting. But let's go to the Dáil because uh, Labour, through... Uh, their Labour uh, TD, Aidan O'Reilly, were, were putting forward a motion, in effect calling for investment in domestic football. And this, of course, follows the FAI application recently for €860 million Euro to be invested in Irish football over the next 15 years. €860 million Euro is what the FAI are looking for. We'll take a little, little flavour of what Aidan O'Reilly was saying in Leinster House today. Maybe we are the only ones who think that Wes Hulahan is a god, that Ronaldo is a cod, that Stephanie Roach was robbed for the goal of the year, that we alone can tell a good player from a great player. Minister, football is Ireland. It inspires, it lifts, it binds and it empowers. The FBI report spells it out. The lack of basic facilities for young players, especially girls. Lisa Fallon described this so well at our Oireachtas briefing last month, how every girl in Ireland knows the skill of changing her jersey in the open air. It's just not good enough. It's not good enough that so many of our League of Ireland grounds are crying out for redevelopment. How will we support these young players who stay in our system until they're 18? Impassioned. Yeah, it was really good, I thought, and quite historically uh, adept. Uh, I checked the records. Uh, it's the first time that Ronaldo as a cod has been read into the Dole record. Uh, so a little bit of history there today as well. Uh, it's obviously Aidan O'Reardon has, has led this entire entire thing, like his Labour colleagues stood up and kind of commended him for driving it forth as well. And I like that idea that, you know, that football is Ireland speech, like he, he talked elsewhere about how, you know, Ireland is partitioned, football is partitioned. You know, there, is, there, are, there are famous Irish sports figures who, who suffered uh, a, 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 abuse at the hands of like Christian Brothers schools and so forth. They were scorned in Christian Brothers schools and is that not a story for the rest of Ireland as well? And, and said more, contem- more contemporaneously that, that the football is a representation of, of the true Ireland in all of its diversity and everything. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, pretty, it was a pretty strong opening speech. 
were many people in the chamber? At that stage, I think 12, including it, maybe 13. It seems like there was a Healy Ray out of shot underneath us. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rose no, not a, not, <laughs> not, not a huge, uh, not a huge representation. The Sinn Féin benches filled up as it went along as, as a number of their TDs came in to, to say their piece. It seems like, you know, um, TDs and so forth of various places to be across running from, you know, committee room to, to debates and, and voting at all and so forth. So no, not in terms of government wise, it was the Minister Catherine Martin, the pretty much effective Minister for Sport, the Minister for State for the Department in Thomas Byrne and Frank Feehan as well, who's, uh, who's part of the government. So Aidan O'Reardon, support football, football is Ireland. Mm. It's very hard to hit back too strongly against all that. How did Catherine Martin... Uh, Respond to the request. Yeah, well, she, you know, she she said that the government would not be opposing this motion, and she <laughs> applauded the uh, applauded the motivation behind it. There are a few kind of more tangible elements of this motion, like it includes uh, backing the infrastructure plan that the FAI have put out. Like they need, I think, is a five hundred million euro odd from the government in that, uh, and they also want to increase the betting tax to three percent. That was in here as that they. Aidan um, on calling on the government to, uh, to back that mm. um, and to also um, do a review of, of the sports capital grant program. Uh, so, did we have any you know commitment from the government that yeah we'll raise the betting tax or we'll give you all the money for the infrastructure plan? No, we didn't. Um, but you know we didn't we didn't they didn't say no either. Mm. I think the most interesting part of it and definitely the part of it by which the FAI are most encouraged is Catherine Martin's uh, stance on the betting tax. Okay, well, I think we have a clip of Catherine Martin. We have two clips of Catherine Martin, so we'll skip to the one on the betting tax if you can, Pete. So this is a story. Dan McDonald uh, wrote about this a couple of months ago. The FAI is part of their uh, application. I'm sure we're cognizant of the fact that there is huge money bet on football. Football doesn't receive the uh, money raised. It goes to other sports. And so that was put to Minister Martin again today, as Gav said. And she has said in response that the increase in a gambling uh, levy is not for her to decide upon. So here's Catherine Martin responding to the betting tax request. There are a number of elements to this motion which do not fall under my remit. With regards to an increase to the betting levy, this is a matter for the Minister for Finance. And it is understood that money raised from from the betting levy goes goes into the general exchequer funds rather than being ring-fenced for particular purposes. But I would, of course, support any measures, such as an increase in the betting levy, which could in turn feed to increased funding for sport more generally. Okay, well, we'll see how that plays out. Mm. It is worth stating that Thomas Byrne, he labelled the FAI's request for the 863 million over the next 15 years as, quote, ambitious. And I must say I did, um, because I think context is all important here when we're talking about such huge figures. You know, we're spending 2 billion on a hospital, maybe 863 million over 15 years, yeah, maybe that's okay. But it was um, said today, I think by Catherine Martin, that the FAI's request of funding over the next 15 years would basically equate to the current budget for all sports. Yeah. And suddenly I thought, well, that really is ambitious. Yeah, that was, it was actually Thomas Burney said that and it was, right. it's a good way of contextualizing, contextualizing it. He also described it as ambitious, you know, and that, uh, when I hear that phrase, I'm always reminded of, you know, the yes minister sense of, yes, a very brave decision minister, you know, yeah. it's a very ambitious plan indeed. Um, well, but, I'm, I'm no political expert, yeah. but I think it's unlikely that they're going to give the FAI the entire sports budget for every sport yeah. over the next 15 years. I wonder, did the FAI do some due diligence on what might be 
a realistic request. They they have in terms of certainly you, if you look at the infrastructure report, there's various um, sources of revenue, and it's not just coming from the Department of Sport. The betting tax is one of them, obviously. Now there was yeah. Uh, we won't get into the weeds on that, but that is um, obviously overseen by the Minister of Agriculture. Uh, you know, it's the policy of it seems to be the remit of the Department of Finance. So that's separate. There are other funds as well, like Brexit funds and and and, and so forth. I don't have the document in front of me, but yeah. they they aren't just asking for the money from the Department of Sport. And do you know, in effect, how much taxpayer money they're looking for? Is it half a million? I half think a billion, it, I, I'm just going off memory. I think it's around. It's somewhere in the 500 million euro mark okay. over the now over the course of 15, 15 years. years. Some sure. of it, some of it is front loaded, obviously, because it's such basic emergency to to get these yeah, uh, crisis um, these done. And did you get the sense that Labour? Via Aidan Reardon are saying, give them every cent they want. Yeah. Oh, they're yeah. No, they're fully backing them. Like the the theme of this was very much that the the FAI have now taken their place among the competent sports bodies of the earth. You know, like they've got their act together. Jed Nash said at the end that look, the FAI have got their act together now. It's time that we kind of support this. And just I, he had a good line coming back on the Thomas Byrne describing it as ambitious. He said, well, it's not really ambitious at all because the the aim of this money is just to get Ireland up to. Uh, up to European standard in all of this. And yes. Richard Boy Barrett did point out that you know we're bottom of a league table across the EU in terms of um, spending of, as a percentage of GDP spend on sport, like zero point four percent, like yeah, Malta think, and Bulgaria. Yeah. Like we're cool. down, we we're also that a couple of weeks ago and thought, well, hang on, that's not good. Yeah. So if we're bottom of the GDP spend on football across Europe, we can certainly address that. So your sense from today then, government are going to give something, we just don't know how much. I don't know. Like that, That's still a long way away, yeah, to be honest. But it's broadly, you know, for football to be ventilated in the dole that way is rare. Mm. Uh, it's also, you know, another little vote of confidence in the FEI that they're now, you know, seen as more serious people again after years and years of anything but. Yeah. Uh, as regards what they ultimately get, it's a long way down the line. But it's just, you know, it's it's just on the... Well, I think the betting tax thing is interesting on what Catherine Martin says. It just shows that they're lobbying and they're making it a public debate. It's just kind of inched on and shoving yeah. on like slightly new frontiers that, you know, the FBI obviously brought it out. They got a lot of pushback on it. Michael Larry even said in the Dole today that they made a mistake in uh, looking for it to come out of the horse and racing fund. Um, but it just goes to show that like the debate is still alive. They're pushing it and pushing it. Mm. Um, and look... It's hard to imagine that anything major will happen before the next election. Like, I mean, I think the aim is the FBI is to put this on the slate and make it a make it the kind of thing that uh, that people can build campaigns on. Okay, the Eructus Committee then on the future of sports broadcasting. Yeah, most people were probably too busy to go to the pub for a second day of Eructus <laughs> Committee viewing. <laughs> Disappointed so, in yes. you all. Give us the run of this. Mm. Who were the star attractions? What was the flow of this one? Well, this basically began as. Uh, the genesis of this was the GAO controversy earlier in the year, which uh, felt is only recent, but it's about three major controversies ago. It's been a while. Uh, but rather than just bring RT and the GAA, and I think the committee agreed, you know, that we'll make it the future of sports broadcasting. So it was kind of a crossover episode. You had the IRFU, the GAA, the FAI, Sport Ireland, and the Federation of Irish Sport in uh, for about now, for 75 minutes, I think, in front of the committee. And then the broadcasters came in. So Declan McBennett representing RT, he's there as 
sport there you had Virgin Media there you had um, a, a body overseeing ra- regional bro- uh, radio broadcasters uh, Virgin Media were there Sky TV were there TG Cahar were there um, the, it was it's a lot of people, a lot of people and it was yeah. an absolute pig of a format right. uh, where the politicians had four minutes to answer their, to ask their questions we've seen with the RTE thing you know how difficult it was for them to get anything in and get any kind of proper questioning in in ten minutes this was four minutes and they were very kind of quite strictly policed and were all of those representatives of all those broadcasters in at the same time? The broadcasters were in at the same time. Yeah, so some so. of them, I presume, weren't even asked a question. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot, there wasn't a whole lot asked of a couple of them. Um, obviously, the, when in, in terms of the governing bodies, the GA dominated things because you know this was mm. this was effectively a, a cross examination of GA going all but name. The RFU, you know, it must life must be great at the RFU. Like they had asked hardly any questions could go. <laughs> Did I uh, mention we're world number one in the men's game at the moment? But <laughs> that was in their own but I can't talk now we've got a World Cup final on Friday but you go ahead uh, for Jonathan Hill of the FAI was was accused of conflating the nation and the state by a Sinn Féin TD <laughs> in his opening statement so it's just like he's probably rifling through De Valeria's constitution as it is but uh, no it was mostly look it was mostly Diego right okay well I think we have some clips I think I did read one piece saying if you want one you know simple message from today Diego goes here to stay mm. it's uh, profitable and they're in no rush uh, well it's profitable I mean it yielded 4 million euro it's going to yield 4 million euro for the GA this year Mm. we didn't hear about the costs so I mean I assume it's profitable I mean they didn't say anything otherwise but the scale of that profit we didn't actually hear today we heard a few of the figures uh, maybe they're in your clips coming up but uh, in terms of the costs and like what the GA are going to make out of this we didn't actually get that figure okay well, we'll hear from a few different people. So, for instance, uh, Tom Ryan, Director General of the GEA, he says uh, most of, mo- of the money that they earn will be made by uh, people in Ireland who are paying for the service as opposed to those abroad. So we'll have a sense here of uh, Tom Ryan from the GEA at this Rockless Committee now. The, the venture was initiated in, I think, 2014 with the specific purpose of addressing the, the, the audience of the diaspora. Uh, what changed in terms of the COVID pandemic, clearly people couldn't go to games. Um, we saw a, a, a demand for games and we saw a responsibility on our part to be able to provide some means of diversion for people, I suppose. So we kind of tore up the broadcasting model uh, and I've mentioned in my submission that we don't see that every game can feasibly be broadcast or should be. We actually we did that during COVID or as best as we could, but clearly there's a capacity limitation on the part of broadcasters. So we did it through GAA Go. And at that point then we, we, we morphed to yours your phrase from uh, uh, an overseas and an international provider to the domestic market. We learned a little bit from that experience. We learned a couple of things. First of all, we learned that there is an audience for people to stream matches in their homes, um, and it wasn't just on the part of national GAA. That was done for club games all over the country by county committees all over the country. Um, And uh, we learned, too, that uh, there there was a market for it. Um, And we also... (coughs) we saw the flexibility that it afforded. So with that in mind, it gave us pause for thought as we embarked upon the next set of negotiations and the next, next set of sale of cycles. We had a look to see, would that model possibly serve our interests in the, 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 the broader scheme of things? And the conclusion uh, was that it would. Okay. And right now, in terms of the income accruing from GAA Go, how much of that can be attributed to viewing abroad and how much here in Ireland? 
uh, have you done that analysis? You'll, you'll forgive me, Deputy Cannon, I don't have that analysis at my fingertips. I know that the, the, the total income that we will earn from GAGO in a year is approximately €4 million. Euros. Uh, the predominance of that is GA games. There are other small sources of income, um, but I, I don't, off the top of my head, know what the, the, the breakdown is between international and domestic. Okay. I am try, quite happy to venture that the domestic is greater. So uh, that's a sense of Tom Ryan. We're here with Gav Coon here in studio, who was at the Oireachtas Committee. The other uh, headline-making aspect is the viewing figures. Mm. So they say the majority of games, I mean, you'd love to know, is this 95% of them or 51% of them? But the majority of games, somewhere between an audience of 1,000 and 1,500 people jumped out as being quite low. The argument, I guess, against too much panic on that point is that these games just wouldn't be available anywhere. Mm. So it's not necessarily always about big audience. It's about showing games which wouldn't otherwise be on TV or on GA Go domestically. And so, yeah, there might be a small number of people watching those games, but it's it's better than them just not being available. That's the argument against that. And then they topped out at 120,000 for Kerry Tyrone. They had a couple of games over 100,000. I guess the comparisons are interesting when you we, we tried to find similar level games to Tyrone Kerry so for instance another quarter final Donegal Kerry in 2019 had 437,000 and a quarter final in 2022 between Kerry and Mayo had 547,000 and Kerry Tyrone akin to Kerry Tyrone this year albeit in a semi-final in 2019 had 545,000 so I guess, as is always the case with free-to-air versus subscription model, the free-to-air numbers completely dwarf mm. uh, the numbers paying to see the sports. So whether that prompts a kind of discussion across the GA fraternity over the next couple of months, like think of all the eyeballs missing out in these games is going to be interesting. Yeah. Now, one of the things that was told to me after the committee that, you know, these are streams, so like industry practice would be to kind of multiply that by 2.5 to get an audience figure now I don't really know the because um, of illegal streaming um, no not necessarily just because the amount of people watching one sharing one stream basically around the same TV oh I see I, I'm not really sure um, as regards that but I, but obviously you know I think 120,000 is probably decent but it, like I mean the better comparison is the figures for Sky like the, these games got on Sky previously but we don't have those yeah. obviously the the, uh, the free to air figures will, will be much larger um, now there, there I mean there wasn't much reaction or um, rumination on, on the quality of these figures otherwise the, okay. like so much of the so much of the conversation was around what Donald O'Cusack the, the Donald O'Cusack charge on the Sunday game was that games were picked um, and high profile monster hurling games were put on GA Go um Partly, obviously, <laughs> a decision partly made by RT allegedly uh, to drive subscriptions to GA Go. Now that yeah. was rejected strongly by the GA and RT, and they explained it by saying, "Look, we agree these packages before the season. GA Go, GAA Go gets Saturday games." Orty gets Sunday games uh, and it's the CCCC yeah. the Central Competitions Control Committee who decide when the games are played the GA and the and Orty don't have any representation on that body so you know that's we play the hand we're dealt it's, um, effectively so like Declan McBennett said like around the All-Ireland Football quarterfinals Orty requested to show Dublin Mayo and Kerry Tyrone but the CCCC came back and said well Dublin Mayo's on Sunday but Kerry Tyrone Saturday so you'll have to be happy with Dublin Mayo and then the, the Cork Derry game that was staged that day as well and I presume uh, somebody in the committee asked 
Orti and, and so Declan Bennett by extension about the conflict of interest between advocating for RTE and the licence mm. fee payer and also being board member of GA Go and wanting GA Go, Go yeah. to be a success. Yeah, he rejected any claims of conflicts of interest and he, and he explained it because he says that RTE's interest in GA Go allows them to screen more free-to-air GA games than ever before. And this is... I probably my misinterpretation of what is a circular economy but uh, and listeners please don't doze off at this but the profit that RTE make from GAA Go uh, they use to buy rights in the National League and other championship games that otherwise wouldn't be shown on RTE Mm. so RTE's profit from GAA Go is then given to the GAA for the rights to screen more GAA games particularly the National League throughout the year so like Declan McBennett admitted that the previous charge that RTE a few years ago didn't show the National League so lit- we, they just popped up in, in May and then packed everything away as soon as the All-Ireland Football Final was over in September he said that used to be a fair criticism we wanted a year-round footprint I think is his phrase so now they're showing National League games and part of the way that they fund this is by using their profits from Diego. And did the committee largely accept that or did anyone say Hogwash, it's about the most important games. That's what your priority should be. Broadly accepted. A couple of people did come back and just um, effectively repeated the old down low criticism. Um, but not many people came back. Uh, I can't overstate how bad the format was. I mean, okay. four minutes, loads of different deputies, tight for time, with a whole load of people to ask questions of. Um, there was a couple of times, a couple of points that Declan McBennett really wanted to get across. So he, he begged the, the chair's indulgence in his own phrase in, in getting those across. He really wanted to make clear that he's never taken, it hadn't been suggested anywhere, I don't think, but he made clear that he had, he's never taken any money yes. or never will in his role as a director of, uh, of Diego. Okay. And then just a last very quick one. It's also made a headliner too. Jonathan Hill uh, swung by at the very end of the FAI and interesting uh, revelation that they're in talks or certainly they've had a talk with Sky Sports over showing League of Ireland games? Yeah, past tense and hopefully future tense. They're not in talks with them at the moment, but there had been talks with Sky Sports to show League of Ireland games, Jonathan Hill said. Um, they had progress, but they walked away at a, at a late moment, uh, in his phrase. They hope maybe they'll come back to the table again in the future. But look, one of the issues, it goes back to what we st- with the FAI, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning with facilities. Like, I mean, like the broadcast facilities are so poor so poor in so many of the grounds. It's Dimey's opportunity for broadcasters yeah. to come in and so forth. So Sky expressed a concern about that. Yeah, as yeah. far as as far as I'm aware. Okay. Well, listen. I think if you're in a tie much longer, you're going to pass out. So <laughs> we'll bring so this to a close. Also, formal shoes—they get less comfortable as they go along. There's you're, no such thing as breaking them in. Yeah, you were, you were definitely an elastic tie man at school. I can tell that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. You're very dapper, Gavin Cooney of the 42. Thank you so much.